Welcome to the Startup Competitors Podcast, where we talk with early stage entrepreneurs and to understand what information they use to inform product roadmap, strategy, and market differentiation. Want regular updates on moves your competitors are making? You can learn more at startupcompetitors.com. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Today we're chatting with Johnston Harris, who's the co founder and CEO of AppSurify. AppSurify is a tool that helps with test automation, allowing teams to get faster feedback on areas of the product that have changed and helping target tests specifically to those areas. Johnston does a great job of kind of laying out the business problem, what they're trying to solve, and current status of the company. We go into kind of a little bit of the history, the problem they're trying to solve, how they're approaching it, current beta customers, traction they're seeing in the market, roadmap in the short term in terms of partners that they want to integrate with and how they're thinking about approaching the market. It's a little technical in some spots based on my interest in software testing as a, as a background, but I think most of it stays high level enough that it's still going to be interesting to, to folks uh, who are just thinking about taking product to market. And certainly if you're a software developer, I think you'll find uh, all of it interesting. You can learn more about them at appsurify.com. And I'm positive uh, Johnston would be happy if you reached out to him on LinkedIn to get an update from him. Uh, and I believe at the time that this goes out, they've just launched a brand new website. So you can also go check that out and uh, see some of the new stuff that they've got on the roadmap that I don't think we covered uh, in detail on the podcast. Hope you enjoy this one. Thanks so much for listening. Most founders start companies because they figured out a better way to solve a problem or serve a need. Not because they love tracking payroll, filling out compliance forms, and explaining employee benefits packages. And yet, all that stuff still has to be done. That's why there's Fullstack PEO. Fullstack PEO specializes in turnkey HR for emerging companies. Not just those core services, but advice and expertise that helps founders maximize employee potential. Curious? Find more at fullstackpeo.com. Welcome to the podcast. Today we have Johnston Harris, who's the co-founder and CEO of AppSurify. Johnston, welcome. Pleasure to be here. Thanks, Mike. Why don't we open things up with a quick pitch for AppSurify? Yeah, so essentially AppSurify is for any organization with software development that's looking to ship product faster, uh, faster time to market with fewer defects by optimizing their software testing. Let's go one level deeper. What does that mean? Essentially, tech titans, Facebook and Google um, do this. They leverage machine learning to determine which areas of the application have changed with a recent developer, developer commit or change to the application and are able just to focus on the testing of that subset of the application rather than testing the whole application. So what this means is rather than testing a whole application, which could take days or hours, you're now testing a very small portion of it. So you get immediate feedback to developers for them to continue on their day, which basically means that as soon as they make a change to the application, they no longer have to wait for testing, uh, you know, hours later for results to come back in order to continue working. Right when they make a change, they can get immediate feedback from testing so they can continue on their day. And is AppSurify generating those tests automatically on its own? Is it leveraging existing suites of tests that have been built up over time and just deploying those more smartly? What, what's actually happening behind the scenes? 
Right, yeah. So um, the great thing about AppSureify is it plugs right into existing test environments. So one of the things is we want there to be autom- already to be an existing test practice, you know, whether it be manual or automation. Automation is really kind of our bread and butter for Selenium, Appium, or Cucumber, big open source test frameworks. Those test frameworks take a very long time to run, to complete, and get results back. So what we're doing is basically making them smarter. Rather than, say, an application or a test suite that has a thousand tests, um, we're able to determine a subset of tests, say 50, only those 50 have changed. So why run 1,000 tests when only 50 have changed? So that means a 95% drop in the amount of tests you're running, which significantly lowers the resource utilization rate, and whether it be local or in the cloud. So you can expect to get results back uh, from quality assurance teams, from you know testers, 95% faster. And what are some of the heuristics that are being used to determine which tests are needed based on the changes? Is that all just based on code coverage? What, what are some of the things driving that? Basically, we analyzed the repository, the history, the commits, the changes from the developers. Originally, uh, we kind of sat, we sat in monitoring mode for about a week, uh, learning from the recent commits and the changes so that when we turn it on, we can say with 92% confidence, we can run a subset, say a 10%, a 10% subset of the test suite and still detect and catch 98.7% of the defects. Um, now we actually have auto mapping so that we can get those results probably in about 24 hours um, after plugging this in. So the parameters are really history of failures uh, in the automation suite. So really any automation suite that generates an XML, JUnit um, type formatting is very easy, which is basically the bulk of them. We can read that, the failure history, to predict the likelihood of failure. And so with that, prediction, able to determine which test to run given a recent change to the application. Got it. And hit me with kind of current status of the company. That The idea here is to kind of paint a picture of where you're at on the roadmap. Are you still two guys in a garage? Are you just doing your $1 billion <laughs> Robinhood fundraise, which is crazy? Uh, it could be any metrics you want to share, customers, employees, revenue, fundraising, uh, number of tests executed worldwide, anything that kind of paints a picture. Right, so we're um, we're fully bootstrapped. I synced up with my co-founder James Ferrier. He's based out of New Zealand. Um, he has about 15 years in software testing experience. He's a keynote speaker at some of the major Star West uh, software testing conferences in the world. And he saw this problem happening a lot uh, from the various companies working at Pfizer. And so he dropped ship and about two and a half years ago started you know developing this concept. In 2019, when MVP. At the end of 2019, 2020 with the beta, and then we just went general release at the end of 2020. We have about 10 enterprise trials going on. We've just converted uh, two of them, and we're circling. So we are uh, revenue positive. Um, we are looking to you know scale. We've proven product market fit. We have um, Fortune 500 trials. The larger the company, the more value we can bring. But we are looking to raise here probably the next three to four months um, a seed round to kind of scale out our growth because this is a highly scalable product that just plugs right into existing test practices just to make them smarter and faster. Congratulations. Uh, awesome that you bootstrapped it up to this point and awesome that you got four positive, man. Yeah, we did it. I mean, it's great to have a technical co-founder that's extreme expert in this space. Uh, we like to say built by testers for testers. He just lived the pain for too long and just says, I think I can do something better. And when I mentioned about the tech titans, Facebook and Google, is that before um, we, we, he had already developed this concept and patented it. And that's when um, Google and 
Facebook actually released white papers about their best practice in software testing, and it somewhat mirrored what we've built. So it's great to say, test, you know, run your software test practice like the big guys can do. What we've done is we've made it available for everyone else. So walk me through that customer targeting then. So who's an ideal customer for this product? Ideal customer is really anyone with a software development department. It could be a mom and pop shop with three to five developers generating, you know, an MVP of some sort. It could be a series A company. It could be a Fortune 500. Anyone that, you know, finds that their software development is being bottlenecked in productivity by software testing. Because developers can only work as fast as they know that they're generating quality code. So every time they make a change to the application, if they have to wait an hour for test results to come back, that's an hour of downtime a day. Now, depending on how many times they make changes, could be two times a day, could be three times a day, you know, say 60 minutes wait time per, which is not, which is very common. That's roughly two to three hours of downtime wasted where they're, you know, grabbing a cup of coffee or, you know, moving on to something else, which context switching in our profession actually only leads to more bugs. So if we're able to drop that 60 minutes, you know, window of wait time down to 60 seconds, which we've done, um, that is phenomenal productivity savings. Um, so really anyone who's looking to test earlier, test faster, find bugs faster, and get product quality out the door uh, faster because growing demands, you know, with, especially with the pandemic, it's accelerated digital transformation by, by Gart- uh, you know, according to Gartner, by about six years. So there's extreme demands on companies right now to move more digitally. And what that means is they have to become more feature-rich, have to get new product out the door faster with shorter timelines, whether you're in DevOps or Agile, just trying to continuously hit these sprints and release deadlines. And they're getting harder and harder to hit. So if you're able to remove a bottleneck of information from software testing to software development, that's a huge productivity savings and cost savings along the way. So put the usage of a product like this in in maybe in a little bit more of a uh, an overall kind of product methodology context. And I'll, I'll unpack that just a little bit. So, you know, when I reflect back on larger projects that I've been a part of where this is typically a problem, right? So we've got a bunch of unit tests, we've got a bunch of API tests, we've got a bunch of end-to-end kind of automated scripts that are out there banging on a GUI, you know, maybe some other things, right? So there, there's a bunch of assets out there that that can blow up to be very, very big. Uh, certainly know that pain. But then there's a bunch of other testing efforts that might be taking place that that maybe have nothing to do with the automation, right? So any sort of manual testing, things around data, security, performance, all the you know various illities, uh, which are kind of complementary and can kind of you know phase in and out uh, on a project just based on kind of key milestones and what the team is focused on at any point in time. Where do you when you like zoom out and look at a more mature company and process which may have a lot of assets over time? Where does this fit into that kind of broader context? How do you position it? Yeah, um, that's a great question. So I'll kind of provide a little narrative there. We actually, one of our trials is a major manufacturing company, which is a household name brand. And they have these power drills that have these lasers um, associated with them. Those lasers have to be, you know, pinpoint accuracy, nanosecond technology. And, you know, the application for that is massive, absolutely massive, tens of millions of lines of code. Um, and they have all these, you know, you know, tens of thousands of unit tests. Um, so I'll just say 10,000 unit tests just for simplicity. So when we went in there, every time they made a change to it, they had to run 10,000 unit tests, which took, you know, took some time. And once after about, you know, five days, we're able to determine only these 500 unit tests um, need to be run rather than all 10,000. 
So it took out a 30-minute window or 30-minute time wasting down to three minutes. They needed to test less scripts for automation suites. So imagine, you know, only testing 10% of your automation suite, but still catching 98% of the bugs. You're just going to be able to move so much faster. We're not saying don't test everything. That's one thing that we want to make extremely clear is like, we're not saying never run your entire full automation test suite ever again. But instead, you now don't have to run it continuously and hitting, you know, local infrastructure or cloud bill. But what we're saying is test smaller, smaller increments, faster, sooner, and get the important feedback to developers in hand during the workday. So they're far more productive rather than waiting on the sidelines, waiting for the big bulk of uh, feedback after an hour. So that's really automation suites um, is finding that subset of tests and running that subset um, frequently, more frequently during the day. For manual testing, we also do provide value because we, are, we know that it's very cumbersome, very time consuming, and we're able to actually shine a light in the dark and pinpoint what area of the application has most likely changed. We have something, uh, it's called the risk map. It looks like a pie graph. And these, this pie graph is in various um, segments or portions. And it's, you know, starts green. And then for, um, for portions of the application, whether it be the account section or if you're Netflix, the streaming section, we're able to, you know, highlight that to a very granular level, the portion of the application that's changed and highlight it either yellow or red, depending on, you know, the nature of the change. So, for automation testing, it's great, you know, whether, you know, you're only 30% coverage or 50% coverage, you know, we would be able to test far faster. For, you know, the types of testing that cannot be automated, as you said, security, performance, we do provide value and allow you, the manual testers who normally have to have a pretty strong history of understanding of the application. If you lose a manual tester, it takes a very long time to train a new manual tester on the application. So we're, whether it be an old tester or a new tester, we can provide them a map to where the bugs are and help them just focus their manual testing on a subset of the tests or a subset of the application through a visual pie graph. Uh, so that makes it easier. So we hit both sides, both automation testing and manual testing. When you lay out that risk map, what as a user, what are my options to kind of overlay my understanding of risk, whether it's you know not just an area of the product, but you know maybe even different aspects within that area, which could be you know, anything from like calculations to data to integrations to, you know, there's tons of things that I might be thinking about when I, when I'm trying to assess risk for a different area. What, how complicated is that today? And, and when you think about product roadmap, where, where do you see that going down the road? Because to, to me as a, as a former tester who used to do this stuff all the time, that's always the hardest part, right? Is how do you make risk visible and get that shared understanding with the team and, and be able to dive to that next level of detail around where the the current unknown risk really lies. Yeah, so that's where the value of our machine learning algorithm really kind of comes into play, is that by analyzing the history of the failures and the history of the defects and the bugs and introductions, we're able to really, with a weirdly, weirdly accurate, um, 99% accuracy, where the defects are most likely to lie given a recent change. And that applies to both automation testing and manual testing. So a visual pie chart, you can dig into the account section and find the portion of the application and kind of focus your testing there. Any more technical deep, I'll probably have to bring in my technical founder, James, for that. But I can talk about the, <laughs> the technical roadmap. I am, I am the, business, uh, the business side founder. He is the brains behind the operation, the mad scientist, you say. It's all good. I, just one question on the, and I, you know, I know you don't have to walk me through the whole ML process, but based on something that you said, I, I just want to make sure I'm understanding the inputs correctly. So it's 
looking at source code. It's looking at the tests that have run and and conceivably where they failed. It's also looking at a defect repository and what types of bugs have been logged and categorized and. It's definitely is definitely everything you said. The source code, the repository, the history of commits, history of the failures, most importantly. So when the Selenium you know generates uh, its output, whether it be in XML format, we can have pass fail, and we can have the you know the map, mapping of the basically functional areas of the code mapped to the scripts. So given what test has failed, we're able to map it to a certain section of the code. And that used to be a manual process a year ago, but now we automate that process so that when somebody plugs in our application, our machine learning algorithm, after one or two commits, is able to map the test to the functional areas of the code. Uh, and yes, we do have integration with JIRA with automatically open and close um, defects. I hope I answered somewhat of your question. Yes. I have two possible, and maybe this is maybe this is a question for the co-founder, but uh, so two possible questions, concerns. One, you know, from a, from a testing perspective, like understanding where a test fails is where an automated test fails is one thing, but there's a, you know, that's only a, I, I guess to me, that's only half the problem, right? There's also then what failed, why did it fail? All the, all the defects that are found that have, that aren't currently captured in an automated test, right? Like all of that's going to speak to fragility from an algorithm perspective that, you know, that would be stuff that ideally I'd love to see as well, which, which I guess is why I was going back to like, what's it pulling from the defect database for some of those sections as well? It, it, is it, or is it, is this, you know, nope, we're hundred percent laser focused on test automation and that's where we want to live and that's our swim lane. Yeah. I'm trying to think about how best to answer your question because, because for the parameters of learning about the failures, we have probably over a hundred different parameters, like time of commits, the, his, um, the history of the developers commits, um, what time of day, if um, the type of code, the challenging area of the code, if it's likely to have defects based on past failures. Um, we also quarantine flicky failures, so tests that have failed for no apparent reason or changed the code. Um, we're able to determine basically non-deterministic tests, so tests failed for no change with no change because of a browser crashing or phone crashing, and that it changed. So we're able to quarantine that and set that aside to allow the team to uh, pass the build. I think uh, to answer your question, we are highly focused on the automation test suite um, and performing that. When it comes to the defect repository, I do believe we learn from that, uh, you know, the history of that to allow, you know, to be more accurate in it. But any further of that, I'll probably have to rely on my technical co-founder to kind of answer that more fully. And I apologize I'm not, uh, if I'm missing the answer to your question. You're, you're all good. Don't worry about it. And, and I know I'm, I'm walking a fine line here, so it, it's all good. I, I guess last one kind of on that thread when I think, so I'm trying to build, I, I obviously haven't, haven't used the product, but when I'm trying to build like an analogous experience, I think, you know, I think back to 20 years ago, there were tools in the market that, that we were using that mapped test execution to specific lines in the code and commits and all that kind of stuff. And that, that piece of technology is not necessarily new, right? That that's been around for 20 years. What, I guess when you reflect on, you know, what App Purify is bringing to the market today, that kind of really differentiates against maybe some of those more enterprise legacy tools that that did that 20 years ago. What's the big compelling difference now versus then? Yeah. So what we're able to do for automation tests is basically allow teams to test more frequently throughout the day, throughout the day, because we're able to basically determine the area of the application that has changed and determine the tests associated with those changes. 
because our machine learning algorithm gets smarter over time, after a day, you probably see an 80% drop in the amount of time it takes for your team to get test feedback. After about 14 days, it's circling on 90%. Um, one of our recent trials, we're hovering around 95%. So if your team was a very common, um, you build out these big automation test suites, they become, you know, they balloon in size from 100 scripts to 1,000 scripts. And whether it be Selenium, Appium, Cucumber, these open source frameworks, and they just start to take a very long time to complete. So we allow teams to basically basically swim through the muck and determine which subset of tests are most important to run in that given time to get that feedback to developers so they can continue working on their task at hand sitting in one sitting. Because when a developer sets out for a task in the day, if he's having to multitask, like he completes a task, sends it off, and then he knows he has an hour to kill, he's going to hop throughout to different tasks, two to three different tasks throughout the day. But statistics show that that actually leads to more, you know, more problems, actually, defects being introduced because he could potentially be building on other defects because he's not, you know, he's continuing his day without knowing if he's made a mistake or not. So if he's able to sit down and, and start a one task and when he submits the code, the change, and he gets it immediately back in seconds and finish that one task in one sitting, that's far more productive than multitasking throughout the day and potentially making mistakes. So he can know with confidence that he's submitting code, getting a feedback, and it's quality and being shipped out. And from our statistics right now, we're seeing from software development teams basically hitting release deadlines in 20% less, um, or excuse me, 28% more productivity throughout the day for a developer that has this immediate feedback in his hands right when he makes a code change. Got it. Let's switch gears to some more business-focused questions. I'll get you back in your swim lane. When you think about customer acquisition for this product, walk me through kind of how you're thinking about that today. Is this something where you want to go to market with other tool providers? Is this something where you want to embed yourself in certain communities because they're, you know, kind of religious about this kind of thing? Like, how are you thinking about kind of the next phase of growth and how you get the, you know, the first 1000 customers? Sure. Yeah. Um, so right now, if you um, want to use, you know, plug in TestBrain, AppSurify TestBrain, you can either do it in the cloud via SaaS offering or on-premises. And depending on different you know, security concerns, like we actually found, we thought that it would only be a cloud offering. But having with some big enterprise trials, security was definitely a chief concern because we're getting, you know, basically reading and writing to the repository. That's very sensitive data in a lot of cases. So we built an on-premise solution to help, um, you know, those um, industries and those companies that have those very strict, stringent security parameters. That's, um, a, that's a, you know, fully functional, a lot of integration, very feature-rich solution right now. What we're very excited about in about a month is going to be releasing TestBrain Community, which will be a free download to install locally that will give basically time and resources back to any development team that's looking just to speed up their software testing. This would be basically kind of like a, a freemium tool, so to speak, that you'll be able to use a select amount of features, really our core value proposition of basically faster test times. And if you find that you, you know, want some more addi additional features, you could potentially upgrade to the next level where you could have that quarantine of flaky failures, um, next level support, additional integrations, you know, additional languages, so forth. So really, we're going to have this lower barrier to entry because it's, it's going to be less of um, an entry point for companies because you can use this for free for as long as you wish. If you're you know, a three to five person you know, development shop working on your MVP, you can use our free tool for as long as you want. We just ask that you know you share it, you know you share the love um, because it's a great tool. I and mean, like this tool is really built because there's such pain in the software testing community 
because they're based off legacy systems that just have not been innovated very much in the, in the recent decade and allowing that team to benefit from the latest and greatest for free uh, and to use it. So if they want to download it, um, install the VM and push it out to their team, so be it. That'll be widely available in one month's time. Got it. And then is there any particular segment of that community you're focused on out of the gate from a, from a marketing and sales perspective? Um, automation engineers would probably be our micro niche. Like quality assurance teams is definitely who we're speaking to is because they're the ones that are running you know, the manual testing or you know, the automation suites or managing it, writing the scripts. Um, this re- messaging really resonates most with quality assurance teams and automation engineers in particular. But it's also for a developer who, you know, in DevOps communities, you know, shift left is a big, you know, term, term that's being thrown around a lot. And what that means is basically um, shifting testing to the left where it's closer to the coding or development stage. And if you can bring testing closer to coding, you're going to, you know, catch defects earlier rather than catching defects later, which is far more costly. So for developers who also now have a hand in testing, for especially in DevOps teams, um, this also plays very well to that. So really, quality assurance teams, um, DevOps teams, and any software development team that's looking to you know, speed up their software development because they find that software testing is a big bottleneck to productivity. Johnston, uh, very important question. What kind of swag, if I join the AppSurify team or if, if I'm one of your key customers, beta customers, what kind of swag do I get? <laughs> um, I'll mail you a t-shirt. How about that? What you are, are right on. You already got them. What's what's on uh, what's on the T-shirt? Um, so we're coming out with a new website here. Also, pretty cool announcement. Um, we are com- if you go to the website today, versus probably in about six weeks to eight weeks, you're going to come see a completely different view of us um, website redesign. It's going to be way more interactive. It's going to showcase our latest um, you know product strategy and our um, latest um, new product suites. So with that, we're going to have some pretty cool. It's like the the test brain logo kind of the test brain logo on the on the um web on the t-shirt so that that'd be something to share uh, we don't have much more than that but we got something very cool that's the that's the place to start if uh you need a t-shirt for your startup that you're getting off the ground you can reach out to our friends at fuel merchandise group you can find them at fuelmerchandise.com. mention startup competitors get 10 percent off your first order when you think of competitors for AppSurify, who or what comes to mind, specifically when you kind of think of those particular personas that you just laid out, right? The automation engineer, the, you know, the, the DevOps or developer who wants to, you know, get access to these resources sooner, faster, or even a quality assurance team, you know, at a higher level, who are you competing with for Mindshare there? Um, yeah, so there's like definitely in this space, there's a lot of jargon that's thrown around faster automation tests make your automation tests you know cleaner faster and easier and what they're really saying those are the mables functionize testums what they're really saying is rip and replace your open source hard earned sweat blood and tears open source frameworks that you spent you know months building out and horizontally shift forklift actually forklift ships to their low code platform where they're write the uh, the test scripts out for you. Mabel is you know is, is very good contender in this space. These low code platforms where a, a junior tester could basically low code write out these test scripts, but you know it's it's a paid for platform. And what inevitably happens at the end of the day with Mabel is that if you start building up the the test suite on low code scripts um, test suites, 
it's going to start to take a long time to um, run again, just like what happened with Selenium mapping the open source frameworks. So we see these guys as somewhat indirect competitors, these low code platforms, because our technology still couldn't work in the background. We're very much in the background, just making things go smarter and faster. We have a, obviously a very integrated user interface, but it's really set it and forget it in a lot of ways. Once it's plugged into the environment, you really kind of just let it go. And developers are like, why am I seeing feedback so fast? Uh, which is really kind of a cool conversation to have. But when it comes to the competitors, really, we're pretty early in the market um, with this. And we have the patent. Um, we're following the, we have the provisional patent. We're following the, um, the non-provisional patent in the uh, next 15 days. And we're pretty excited about that. Um, so really, what we see as competitors, we also could see as down-the-line strategic integration partners. Yeah, walk, walk through that line of strategic thinking for a second. When you line up the kind of platforms and places you want to integrate with out of the box, just hit me with your like top three to five. Who's on that dream bucket list of these are the ones that we'd really like to get out there quick? Yeah. Um, so we just brought on the CEO of SmartBear, Frank Rowe, as uh, one of our uh, advisors. Congrats. And yeah. Yeah. 800-pound uh, gorilla in the DevOps space. And they own Cucumber. Um, and Cucumber is an open source test framework uh, for BDD in, in the space. And that would be a great partner to kind of get out of the game to start providing value with because Cucumber is a great tool, um, but it does suffer from long test runs. So that's going to be kind of a, you know, kind of a target audience for us. So we see ourselves, you know, really targeting the Selenium, Appium, Cucumber, open source test frameworks audience uh, very early on. And we're excited about the freemium strategies because it helps us get in the door easier and helps provide value to people who may not want to pay for a tool, but could still benefit from it. Um, did that answer your question? I think there's a second part to your question. Uh, just rattle off a couple more. Like who's the, if, if you were thinking of like places where somebody lands on your website and they see the section that says integrates with, what are some of the other logos that are there? Um, well, we are um, code agnostic. So Java, JavaScript, C Sharp, Python, Ruby. We are completely agnostic to whatever code they're writing in. Um, we plug into any Git-based repository, also Microsoft Perforce on um, being one other. We're coming out with a new integration with SVN repositories, which is a kind of an old, older legacy one, but it's actually still pretty prevalent. But it's really our bread and butter is any Git-based, Git-bucket, um, I mean, Bitbucket, um, so forth. And work with any test framework, anyone that provides uh, JUnit XML output, which is the bulk of them. Integrate with you know the bug tracking tool, Jira. And we have other um, plugins, um, integrations kind of on the way, but those are kind of in user demand. Those are really kind of from what our, our 10 trials currently have, have kind of helped us to hone in on what the bulk, you know, 80% coverage of the marketplace is. We're finding that if you're a Git-based repository, you have an active CI CD pipeline, such as Jenkins or CircleCI, Travis, and you have a large Selenium automation test suite, you're really a great candidate uh, to try this thing out and plug this in and get off into the races um, because that's really kind of our bread and butter. For the trials that you, but that was a great answer, by the way. Thank you. Sorry, didn't mean to just roll forward. That was great. For the trials that you've launched, how much of a role are you playing in kind of actively getting those implementations off the ground and making them successful? Or is it truly like they're agreeing to use it, they're, they're self-implementing, self-rolling it out, figuring out on their own? Curious what the kind of setup cost or taxes for an organization that decides to move forward. Yeah, that's a good question. So the cool thing about all of our 10 big trials are, and these are large, you know, 100 plus developer teams, which is all organic. We didn't do any marketing. We're fully bootstrapped. This is all through internal channels. 
basically say, hey, based on LinkedIn, we created a LinkedIn page, uh, follow us on AppSureify. And people kind of came to us, say, hey, this actually sounds really interesting. So we're really pretty excited about that because we're achieving product market fit. We've already achieved it. And now we've you know, just converted our two of our first paying enterprise customers. And now we're going to scale that out. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think of what the second part of your question was. Are, are they implementing it themselves or are you helping them implement it? So, um, so as I mentioned earlier about the professional, basically, if you go to our website right now, you'll need to have a basically installation call with James or um, one of our developers. And it's really just, if you want to go on the cloud, it's really just, we set up an instance in the cloud, connect a repository, analyze the code commits, and you're pretty much up and running within an hour. Pretty straightforward. It's really up in an hour. If you want to do on-premises, we are completely firewalled off. That's your information. That's your data. That's your security. You just got to stand up a VM, download us, um, connect yourself to the repository, install a script in the CI/CD pipeline, and then you're off to the races. It may take about an hour again, but it may take an hour and a half, um, something like that. So right now, um, there's a little bit of handholding for people that are not familiar with this, but for the bulk of them, they've been able to do it themselves and be able to tweak it as they see fit. And our user interface is very intuitive. Um, we have a um, YouTube video that's just kind of goes through a 10-minute technical demonstration um, that kind of walks you through the user interface. But the great cool thing about our freemium tool that we're going to be releasing in a month is uh, for Community Plus, it's going to be completely self-sufficient, self-reliant. Allow somebody, if they want this thing, click, download, install, off in 15 minutes or less. It's going to be a much more streamlined um, installation up and running approach than what we currently have right now. What we have right now is for you know everybody, but it just requires a little bit of handholding to get up and running in the case. But it, we're talking about a one-hour installation call. This this new freemium tool is you're going to be doing it in five minutes yourself. Right on. Earlier, you had said, you know, you, you feel like you've proven product market fit with only a handful of customers. That feels early to me in my experience to say we've proven product market fit. What are the things that you've seen that that make you so confident that like, yep, we nailed it. This is it. This is the product. We're good to go. Uh, really the feedback on the on the phone calls. So when we put, put together after the trial, we put together an ROI analysis of what we can save them. And when they see their test results going from you know two hours down to under 15 minutes, and that's productivity back in their pocket, rather than running 1,000 tests, they run 70. That's real tangible savings. Also, a note that I haven't mentioned is that we can save significant tangible savings if they're running their tests in the cloud. One of our um, enterprise trials is running basically for Alistair Stack, to be honest, up in the cloud, and they're spending about you know ten thousand dollars a month um, on Azure resources, just spending a lot of money. Because we're pushing up tests that are only important rather than the whole automation suite, you're now only testing five percent rather than hundred percent. So we've been able to reduce their cloud bill by over ninety percent on a monthly basis, from a ten thousand dollars a month down to under a thousand dollars a month. That's $9,000 delta right back in their back pocket. And we're a very economical solution. And we're so economical that tied with the productivity savings, we're able to provide them an over 4,000% ROI. The same pays for itself within the month because it's so scalable and it's very hands off and it's plug and play. So that alone, just the, the time savings and the value and the economical point that we're coming in, the value savings gets people really excited when we talk to them. And just you know, words that we've heard on the on the on the phone calls is fantastic. It's like my team is just pumping out product faster than I've ever seen. Uh, flaky tests no longer 
chew up quality assurance teams' time chasing after tests that fail for no apparent reason. So we take these big, bulky, open-source frameworks that are unstable or you know fail for no apparent reason, clean it up, eat, make it easier to manage, make it faster, make it smarter, so that teams no longer look at software testing as a headache anymore, but now as a facilitator to helping them push product out the door faster. All right, Johnson, if folks want to learn more about AppSurify or if they want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, so go to our website, uh, you know, submit us, you know, contact us, happy to reach out, have a, happy to have any phone conversation. Um, visit us on our website, appsurify.com. Uh, follow us on LinkedIn. Um, we are pretty active on a post. We actually just recently ranked um, the QA lead, which is a cool new um, platform for quality assurance teams. We're actually ranked number four for them to automation tools and what we're doing. So please, please reach out. Love to talk to you if you'd like to talk about, um, you know, cutting costs and software testing, getting product out the door faster. Awesome. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Enjoyed it. Startup Competitors provides monthly handcrafted email updates on your top competitors. Keep up to date on new hires, marketing activities, events, awards, new product launches, pricing changes, funding, and a bunch more. Learn more at startupcompetitors.com.